Well, I am really excited uh, this morning and uh, to be able to share with you kind of where we've been, but more importantly, where we're headed uh, as a church, as an organization. And uh, if you're here for the very first time, uh, this is just going to, there's going to be a lot of information. It might feel like kind of the fire hose, like it's like, wow, maybe if you've been here every week, it's still going to feel like that. But uh, within that is, is, is the story of what God is doing here. So I hope that you know that as we kind of navigate through kind of this vision of what God's kind of wiring up and where God's leading us, that you will fully understand those stories that you just heard, you have a similar story. All oh, the specifics are so different, but it's what God is doing in you, what steps you're taking, how you're growing and how you're navigating through. Well, if you're a, uh, a leader or a part of a business uh, or part of any type of organization, uh, you might have heard this statement before. You always start with a why. Always start with a why. The how and the what are important to get to, but you must start with a why because the why will always drive the how and the what. Whether that's in a nonprofit sector or in the for-profit sector, no matter what industry you might be in, it's critical that you have a clear understanding of the why. A few months ago, I got a call from a guy, and he said, hey, Treth, I need five minutes of your time. I said, when? He goes, well, can you uh, meet today? And usually when someone says, can I have five minutes of your time, that that's translates as like hours of my time. And, uh, and I'm like, sure. And he goes, let's meet at Starbucks. I'm like, great. So I, I get there and I I'm find a table and he comes in and he, he stands in front of me. And I'm like, well, can I buy you a drink? He goes, no, I just asked for five minutes. I'm like, that, that usually means hours. And he goes, no, for me, it means five minutes. I'm like, okay. He goes, I want to give you a book. So he hands me this book and it's uh, this book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And uh, it's a great read. Uh, but it's all about this. Well, just a couple days ago, I was uh, on the internet searching around, and I came to this TED Talk uh, by Simon Sinek, and it was all about the why. He basically recaps the entire book in 18 minutes. Beautiful. Uh, great. So I, I would, seriously, it, whatever industry you're, you're in, you need to, to, uh, to Google it. it. It's a great 18-minute talk. But he, he takes the comparison of great organizations and great movements, like Apple, and Martin Luther King. And he said, they're great, not because of the what, but all because of the why. And the why has been the catalytic message that has moved them to greatness, to change the world. Now, the what and how are important as well, but the why always drives it. And so I want to take a couple moments to make sure that we all understand the why of the church, capital C, and also the why of Renaissance Church, lowercase c. The purpose that God has instilled for the church, his church, and then how that looks for us. But if we all can get on the same page for the why, then the how and the what, which we'll get to today, will make more sense. We'll get more clarity from that. And Matthew Chapter 16, there's this moment where uh, Jesus is sitting around uh, his kind of his 
group of friends, the, the, the men he, he did life with, the, the people he walked around with. They were called the disciples. That's a big word. Uh, for, they were his friends. And, uh, and they were the group of guys that really were integral in his ministry while he was here on, the earth, on this earth, but also after he left. But we can't ever forget that they were people like you and me. I mean, literally, they, they just left their occupations and said, wow, this, there's something about this guy. We're going to follow him. But they were still working through their own faith journey. They had their own questions, their own doubts, their own fears, their own concerns. They had all of that. But they were walking, trying to figure out this thing. And so there's this moment, and I've talked about this before. Uh, I'm going to talk about this moment, moment many times in the future. Because it's so critical to the DNA of the church. And so Jesus is sitting around with his friends, and he asks a simple question. He goes, who do people say that I am? And different, different of his uh, disciples, his friends, kind of spoke out, and they're like, well, some say Elijah, and some say Elisha, and some say another great prophet. Some say a, a great teacher. And then Jesus flips his question on them. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter. Man, I love Peter. Because he's that guy that, that, that's first, no matter what, what that, that cost is to him personally. He was the first out of the boat. I think he got out of the boat, started walking in the water, and all of a sudden said, whoa, hey, what, this, this isn't supposed to happen. He was the first one pulling his sword to cut off a soldier's ear to protect Jesus. And so many times he was the first one to speak. And many, many, many times it was the wrong thing. I love Peter. And here's one of these moments. Peter says, oh, you're the son of the living God. The son of the living God. I mean, think about that statement. Again, put yourself in, in this little circle. They were still working through their own questions. They were still working through their own doubts and their fears. They were still questioning, going, we think he's the son of God, but he's the son of God? I mean, how many of you have wrestled with that thought? Jesus Christ, the son of God, came down from heaven, walked on this earth, conquered the grave. I do. And guess what? I've given my entire life to that one simple question. Who do you say I am, Chris? And there's moments where I'm like, I believe. Don't you think those words rolled out of Peter's mouth? And he paused going, ah, I just said that, but... I, I don't know. That's a huge statement. I bet the other disciples in that circle were like, uh, I wanted to say that, but I still don't know. But the words came out of Peter's mouth. And listen to how Jesus responds. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, by my Father in heaven. Like, so many times people think, like, there's not the sarcastic side to Jesus. There's a huge sarcastic side to Jesus, so, especially when he's talking to the religious rulers. But you know what he says right in that moment? 
hey, Peter, you're correct in that statement, but really, uh, uh, you're not smart enough to have come up with that thought on your own. No way, Peter. God gave you that thought. And Jesus just wanted to, to pause and make sure everyone around the circle knew that, no, Peter's not that good. God gave him that thought. And then he goes on, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Word Hades is death, and death will not conquer it. But we come to that word church, and the Greek word is actually this word ekklesia. And the real meaning to that word means gathering, or assembly of people, or congregation. People translated the word to the word church. But you see, all of us, when we think about church, we have a whole lot that comes along with that word. We hear the word church. We think building. We hear the word church. We think denomination. We hear, we hear the word church. You think about your dad's tirades on Sunday afternoon after the preacher said something that ticked him off. You hear the word church. You think about your experiences good and bad, over the years in church. You see, the word church actually comes from a German word. The word is kirch or something like that. If you're German, I just butchered it. But that's where the word comes from. And over the years, they took this this Greek word ekklesia and they translated it to church. Not gathering, not assembly, not congregation. And I know it's easy to stop right there and say, what? so the Bible's wrong? One of the most difficult parts in translating the Bible is you're taking this language and trying to bring it into modern day English. So you can look at that and say, well, they translated it wrong. Well, here's how I look at it. In the Greek, there's multiple, multiple words for love. Eros, which is a sexual love. Phileo, which is, is more of a brotherly friendship type of love. Agape, which is how you're supposed to love God. Right? There's all these different words for love, but what, what do we say in our, our English, English language? Love. I say, I love pizza, I love my mom, and I love my wife. Hopefully, I love those three very differently. Right? But we just say love. In the Greek, oh, you can get so specific with types of love. Now, we kind of infer into that, that hopefully I, I love my mom more than I love pizza, and that I love my wife differently than I love my mom. But we just say love. And so they were trying to come up with this word, and over time, it moved from ecclesia, this gathering of people, to church, church, building, denomination, structure, hierarchy, church. But when you read the word church, I hope you read that word, because that's the real word. It was about a group of people coming together with one purpose, and Jesus outlined the purpose. This gets to the why, the why we do what we do. And it's found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Last words before Jesus ascended up into heaven. He gave kind of the marching orders, kind of the direction. He clearly articulated what this ecclesia is to be all about. And this is what he said. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Jesus said to this group of people, this gathering of people, tell the story. Tell what you've experienced. Tell people that you witnessed the resurrected king, the Messiah. Tell people about what you've seen. And Jesus said to Jerusalem, the city they were in, Judea, the surrounding area, Samaria. That was a place that no one wanted to go. Especially if you were a Jew, you did not want to go to Samaria because you, you saw Samaritans as lower than dogs. And to the ends of the earth, I think Jesus got tired of naming all these places and he basically said, okay, wherever you will go, be my witness. Tell my story. Tell people about what you have experienced. And we look in the book of Acts and this movement that was called The Way exploded onto the scene because they told the story about Jesus, that they saw him after he was crucified. It's the why of the church. It's the why of the church. It's what the church must be about. And it's at the heart of renaissance. And everything I share with you today, I just hope you know, We talk about the everyone. It is about the everyone. But all people hearing about the message of Christ, all people feeling welcome to come in and navigate through their spiritual path for everyone to feel loved and accepted, for everyone to realize that God loves you no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what your doubts, your fears, your concerns are, that God wants a relationship with you. Uh, Several months ago, uh, we asked uh, for everyone to take this reveal survey. And we had like 74% of all of, kind of the average of our weekend attendance took the reveal survey. It was it, it like crushed records for this organization that has done this survey uh, nationwide. We're like in the top 1% of all churches. We're like, yes, overachievers. It was awesome. And, uh, and so we've been pouring over all this data. And I, I, I'm going to take a few minutes. I could take days sharing all of this with you, which I'm sure all of you want to eat lunch today. So I won't take days. But I want to hit on a couple of incredible points as we kind of move forward, especially as we kind of think about this fall. And uh, uh, know that we've made available today online at renaissancechurch.org. Uh, uh, if you go to our blog page, you can download, I think it's like a 40-page PowerPoint presentation with all this data. And uh, a couple things. One is, if, if you love pictures and images like me, you're click through and you're like, wow, this looks really great. It does. And you'll pick up some great ideas. If you're a data person, I mean, you love Excel. I mean, you like dream in Excel charts type of thing, and you love data, you're going to jump into all this data, which is amazing data. But just know that uh, uh, it'll probably turn up uh, up a bunch of questions. We actually got on the phone. We had a conference call 
with the people that put this together. And they gave a ton of insight into how the data was collected and what the data represents. And so after that phone call, it made so much more sense to us. And so I just want to offer to you, uh, we have an incredible group of people that will meet with you and will talk through that data with you. So if you get into it and you have a lot of questions, uh, awesome. We want to help assist you with that. But it's, it'll be there. And we haven't changed any of it. There's actually a second section on the senior pastor, and uh, it's in there. All of it's in there. And I didn't even go in there and retype stuff. So uh, just know um, it's there. Uh, but uh, a couple things I want to share, about, share with you today about is uh, the first one is this, is what they call the spiritual continuum. And uh, you'll see this slide magically appear. Oh, there it goes. It's magic. But uh, what they kind of did was, for everyone in our church, they put in one of four categories. The first one is exploring Christ. And uh, 24% of those who took the survey uh, would put themselves in this kind of point, where you're not sure about Jesus, you haven't you know, named him as your personal Lord and Savior, you're still working through the spiritual journey. And what excited me was this, 24% of you said that that's where you find yourself. And you'll see this two, uh, uh, two blue arrows pointing up. What that means is over the entire uh, United States, we are not just above average, we're above, above, above average in the number of people that would put themselves uh, in this exploring Christ area. And one thing I love about that is that means that everyone feels welcome coming to Renaissance, that you feel welcome walking in, that there's something connecting with you. You feel safe to explore. You feel safe to ask questions. You feel safe to be a part of this church. The sad commentary is that that's where the church should be. Like, I wish we were just average there. I really wish we were average. Not that our numbers would come down, but the rest of the churches across the United States would be up where we are. Because that was Jesus' vision, to be witnesses to everyone. Now, you might find yourself sitting there going, well, yeah, I'm in the exploring Christ. I don't know about Jesus right now. It's okay. Do you realize Jesus' closest friends, the disciples, still had questions about Jesus? I mean, it was Thomas that had to touch his sides and his hands before he would believe. Like, so he had questions all the way through his death. And even when he saw him alive, he still didn't believe. So, so many times we, we look at these disciples and we're like, well, they're way up here spiritually and I, I can't be there. You know where they probably would be? They'd probably be in the Exploring Christ box. I mean, in real time, they're trying to... to wrap their minds around Jesus, the Son of God. And what we'll see is they quickly move from there and they work through all of these different stages quickly as Christ became real in their lives. We move to this next one, growing in Christ, 41%. I believe in Jesus, but I'm just getting started. And that's great. And we're kind of average across the country. You'll see two kind of uh, dashed lines. And that just means we're right there. And that's many of you are taking this book going, okay, I, I believe in Christ. I still have questions. I'm working through it, but I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Now what? I need to, to find out how to grow. And then you'll see uh, close to Christ, 16%, and Christ-centered, 19%. And we're actually below average there. Why? Because we're so heavy down here at Exploring Christ. The most important of this little colorful chart where are you 
And what do you need to do to take another step spiritually? It's what it's about. I mean, don't stay wherever you are. Don't stay there. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Never stop growing. Well, there was kind of five top priorities that uh, all of you articulated. And what I love about these five, like I was thrilled to read them because it just means like yeah, this is what the church should be about. This is the essence of what God wanted the church to be. And so these top five are great things. And we've already started working on some things. And this fall, we're going to launch a lot that go right into these areas. The first one is this. Help me understand the Bible. Help me to understand the Bible, which is great. Uh, in two weeks, we're launching a, 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 a series called Catch and Release. And we're actually walking through an entire book of the Bible, the book of Jonah. And uh, it's four chapters, short. I just challenge all of you, start reading it now. There's this great part about a worm eating things. It's hilarious. You need to read that. Um, right now, you're like, really? Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know if it was a cute worm, but there's a worm. I had someone this last week uh, say to me, Chris, have you ever just uh, read the red words in the Bible? Just the red words. Jesus' words. He goes, you know, leave out all the black words. Just work through the Gospels reading the red words. I'm like, ah, that's a great idea. Great idea. Challenge you to do that. My desire is not to create theologians. And that thought's going to lead into this next priority. But I, I just hope you know that. What I want you to do is take God's word and have it come alive in your life. Jesus railed against the religious rulers that had every law memorized and every book of the Bible memorized. But guess what they didn't do? They never applied it to their lives. They never put it into action. You know what Jesus wants? Yeah, he wants you to know about him, but quickly take knowledge and apply it to your life. Any educator will tell you, yes, you need to have a textbook that teaches, but more important than that textbook is what you do immediately next is to get kids, students, I don't care what age, up to college, applying knowledge putting into action what they're being taught, hands on it, exploring. It's all about that. And Jesus wants you to take your knowledge of the Bible and quickly turn it into action. And it leads to the second one, challenge me to grow spiritually. I'll just simply say, if you want to grow spiritually, guess what you need to do? Put it into action. Every week's message, I have an action point. It's in bright red letters on my little iPad here. It always says action. There's always an action step. The question is, are you going to take it? I can't force you to do it. But every weekend, I give you an action step. Read this. Study this. Pray for this. Talk to that person. Do something with this message. Uh, every week, we send out the, the happenings email. And I just want to challenge all of you. If you, you don't get the happenings, or if you don't read the happenings, sign up for it every week. There's action steps from the previous message and action steps for the next message or a combination thereof, both. Two or three weeks ago, uh, the Happenings had uh, this whole page of uh, spiritual growth catalysts where I listed out what I uh, listen to, what I read, what I use to grow spiritually. And actually, I put it up on my blog on com. I put that whole Happenings email up there this week so that you can uh, access all that information. And uh, 
And so, uh, and this week uh, in the half news, guess what? I'm going to have all of these resources, so you can just click, 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 click. So if you do not get the happenings, fill out the little tabby card thing. Give us your email address. Again, we won't sell your email address to anyone. It's safe with us. But we want to be able to give you tools and resources to help you grow. But the goal is not for you to come in, sit here for an hour, listen to some person talk, and leave. It's to take what's being taught and place it into action in the rhythm of your life. If you do that, you will grow. If you don't do that and you want to become a theologian, you will not grow spiritually. Again, I'm not saying don't learn the Bible. Don't get that from me. What I'm saying is learn the Bible and apply it to your life. There, spiritual growth will happen. Well, then we have uh, the next one, provide me with opportunities uh, for service. And uh, I just simply want to say uh, there's so many areas to serve here within Renaissance. Uh, Serve in our kids' area. Uh, Impact a kid's life. It's one hour. Change a kid's life. Uh, Serve in our student ministry, our Elevate environment. Uh, Mentor a teenager. They need great voices into their lives. Be part of our ushers, our greeters. There's all these different areas here where you can serve. But what I'm really excited about is we're going to start really serving the community. And already we have teams of people interacting with different uh, organizations within the community. Uh, We have people meeting with the summer uh, uh, elementary school district. And we ask one simple question. How can we serve you? What are your needs? And they're like, kids need clothing and kids need food. Can you help? And we're like, yes. So this fall, you're going to hear a whole lot more this fall in September of what we're going to do in September to start serving and helping kids in need. And we're meeting with uh, Milburn and Berkeley Heights and a list of other schools and asking the same question, what are your needs for kids? We want to help kids in need. And so we as a church are going to take this very active, proactive step to start helping people in need. We're partnering with a ministry in Newark called World Impact and same thing. Same thing. How can we start helping kids in need? And they have a Christian school there, and uh, the stories that are coming out of that organization is amazing. And then uh, we're going to bring, bring Compassion International in this fall. I just met with a guy two weeks ago, and um, we're going to bring them in. And so that, uh, I sponsor a child. She lives in Ecuador, and it's awesome because my girls can write her a letter. She writes us letters, and we're helping. I mean, one child we can help, and that's going to be our ends of the earth. And so uh, all of that stuff starts in September, and we're going to help kids uh, both locally and around this world. And if we can ha- help a handful out of the millions, we will help that handful um, and try to uh, reach them for Christ. The last two questions, help me in, in, in a time of emotional need and provide me with opportunities to develop relationships with each other. And uh, quickly what that means is uh, we're going to launch this fall um, opportunities for you to get into uh, what we call life groups. And right now, you might quickly go, I know what that, that means. And for some of you, you've never heard of this term, life group or small group or groups. Basically, we want to connect people together, get people out of rows and into circles where you can do life together. And uh, uh, my wife and I were part of an amazing small group back in, uh, or life group back in Las Vegas. And uh, to this day, they're some of our closest friends. And when we went through one of the most uh, difficult times of our life, guess who was there? They were there. And when another family went through uh, an insane moment in their life, I mean, it was like one of those Hollywood moments, like it could make the movies, we were there. And so we're going to launch that this fall, and this is what I want to say to you. Um, we need people to help lead groups. We need people to help be a part of groups. 
And we need all of you to say, yeah, I, I, I want to get out of rows and get in the circles. I want to start doing life with each other and get, get to know people and help each other grow spiritually. It's about life on life. It's about ecclesia. It's about a gathering of people, not just church. Last uh, Sunday night, uh, we had an a, a incredible moment here, and uh, many people came, and we launched this Ignite campaign. And we took about an hour and a half to lay out this whole vision. And I'm going to take about five minutes right now so you get the five-minute version. What does that mean? You'll have more questions than you know what to do with. Uh, and so, uh, but I at least want to share with you where, where we're headed. And you can go online to renaissancechurch.org backslash ignite. And, uh, or is it forward slash? I don't know. It's a slash. And, uh, and there's all this information there. We have an expanded PDF document that takes this one sheet that you have on your chair, and it's like 12 pages. And uh, what I want to share with you is a couple things. One is this. Um, this is all about the everyone. It's about reaching people for Christ, being witnesses, sharing the story about what Christ is doing within you and other people's lives. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of look at, you know, our growth chart, and uh, it's a really pretty chart, and we're somewhere around 12% growth already. And uh, I, I hope you know that for me, all of those numbers represent, because you can get lost in numbers, and numbers are cold, all those numbers represent is this, that every number has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. I can't say that clear enough. Every number has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And that's why we do what we do. It's what it's about. It's not my mission, my vision, my strategy. Jesus' words, Acts 1-8, Matthew 28. Well, I can bounce through. It's what it's about. You all know our obstacles. We've been talking about our obstacles. Friday, I was in Starbucks getting a cup of coffee because that's what I do. And uh, this lady came up to me, and she had a cane. And she goes, man, I've so missed Renaissance. I've been out for weeks because I had surgery, and I can't walk upstairs. And it's just another one of those moments. You heard Howard's story in the video, another one of those moments where it's like, what can we do? Now, let me clear up a couple things. We have three very strategic, or one strategic uh, project, three essential components. You'll see that on the back of this card. And what you'll see is uh, one of those components is addressing our Summit Opera House space issue. And we're working on that actively right now, trying to f- figure this out. And I know you can look around right now and we're like, well, there's space. Well, it's June. Every church around the country, guess what's happening? People aren't coming to church. They're outside, they're on vacation, they're golfing, they're boating, they're doing outside. They're not coming to church. It's June. September, October, November, you know what's going to happen again? Everyone comes back to church. It's just one of those things. So just know we're in June right now where, hey, you know, many of you woke up this morning going, well, do I go to church or not? I don't have that option. I wake up Sunday morning and I have to come. Okay? So just know that's a real thing. But here's what I want to be clear about. We find that it is going to be absolutely essential for us to be part of Summit. Because part of Renaissance's DNA is being right in the middle of this downtown area. Isn't it amazing to have this church thriving right here in Summit? But with that comes a whole list of issues with very few great solutions. I feel like Abraham right now. Here's a great story for you to read. 
God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, pick up your entire family, all your possessions, all your wealth, and go. Abraham said, where? And God says, I'll show you. And Abraham said, well, where's I'll show you? He goes, well, just start heading, and I'll show you. And Abraham's like, that's not a great plan. And God said, well, I'm God. <laughs> all right? That's where I feel like we are right now. God's like, yeah, you've you got to reach people. You can't stop. There's not many churches like Renaissance doing what Renaissance is doing, reaching people. You, got, you, 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 can't, you can't just stop. So we're trying to figure that out, okay? But we know that the opera house in this area is essential. We don't know what that means. We don't know how all that's going to roll out. The second piece is our multi-site. And I know there's a lot of questions there. But I can see one day where we have Renaissance-style churches all over this area. Why? Because you're connected with this. You chose to come and be part of this. There's a reason why. I was out in Warren yesterday, which is almost Pennsylvania, I think. It's way out there. Um, looking for one stupid part for my grill that I left in Vegas. And uh, after four hardware stores and about three hours of driving, I finally found it uh, in Warren. I could have drove to Vegas. It probably saved me time. And, uh, but I'm out in Warren going, Renaissance would thrive out there. This type of church. I mean, you know the church makeup in this area. I'm not saying we're the best church, we're the only church, we're the... I'm just saying what God's doing here through people like you and me, it's special. It's unique. So that's that. And the third box is uh, we know we need a permanent location at one point. And we have some leads and we're working through every lead you can imagine. And all that comes to $3 million. And you might go, Chris, can we raise $3 million? Yeah. I think that's just the beginning. You might be asking, well, Chris, I thought you were talking about that there's this operational uh, uh, budget you know, uh, need that we're trying to close this gap because there's one uh, 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 family group of people that have given so uh, significantly here. And aren't we trying to close that financial need? And now we're also trying to raise capital funds. I've said, yeah, we're trying to do both. And people have asked, well, uh, can we do both? Is that, is that wise leadership? And I'm like, we have to do both. This is what I know. If we just focus inward on our operational budget need, if we just say we're done reaching people, do you think God's going to bless his church? When the purpose of his church is to reach people. No, we have to do both. What thrills my heart is since Feb February 1 of this year, when we started talking about giving every weekend, which we knew that was going to be, it's going to be a thing because so many churches have handled that giving thing so poorly, and we're trying to handle it with so much love and grace where God wants it to be. Since February 1, year to date, our giving has increased 26% because so many of you have stepped up to say, I want God to do something in me, and I am a part of Renaissance. We have a long way to go. But it thrills me that already so many of you are stepping up and saying, God, use me and the resources you've blessed me with, and I want to be part of your movement, because that's what that's about. And so, yes, we've we got to do both. We have to. You know why? All of this comes down to this. It's about the everyone. Why stand up here on this stage and say, we, we need to raise $3 million? You have a pledge card. 
I, I hope that all of you say, I want to be a part of this. I really do. I hope all of you say, I want to be a part of it. At the level where God leads you to. You can go online. You can pledge online. But what I hope you know, it's not about $3 million. It's about us. Ecclesia, a movement, a gathering of people that so understand Jesus' call for his church in Acts 1 to be witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here in a moment, as a band's playing, uh, we have people and they're going to pass out to you. They're little ping pong balls and they simply have the word everyone on them. And we've been talking about this whole thought of maxed. What are you going to do with your life? And here's one great action step. Every day, pray for that person. Pray for that person who Christ is going to bring into your life. Pray for that person where your life intersects their life. And all you have to do is share your story about what God's doing in you. And you might be saying, well, Chris, I don't even know about Jesus. I'm the 24%. Guess what? The disciples, they they weren't sure either. And what I'm going to ask you to do is put this somewhere. Put it in your little drink cup in your car where it rolls around. It'll rattle. It'll drive you nuts. (laughs) But guess what you'll do? You'll think about it. Put it in your briefcase or in your purse. And so when you start digging around, you're going to find this. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to start praying. Put it in, in, in by your sink or wherever you'll see it, put it somewhere and pray Pray, pray, because it's about this. Everything we do, our why is about this. And just take this and add this to your life. And watch what happens within you as God leads you. It'll change your life.